there's a, a lot of stigma towards um, people using medications to help themselves um, emotionally. And, but yet there's not stigma for people, you know, taking medications for diabetes. You know, it's, it's, you know, that's a fascinating thing that you just said, actually. And that's a conversation I have with a lot of our opioid addiction patients. And um, I actually have on our website, lifesworkclinic.com, there's a, a blog and uh, one of my uh, papers that I wrote on there was, um, you know, questions and answers on, on uh, buprenorphine therapy. And, and one of the first questions is, well, aren't you just, aren't you just, you know, substituting one drug for another. That's a, like a common thing. We actually hear it a lot from, uh, from family members of people who come to see us. And um, the, the, the answer to that question is pretty simple. Well, yeah, we are, okay? One has the potential for abuse. One does not have the potential for abuse. One uh, just, uh, destroys a person's life, potentially. Another uh, uh, saves a person's life, potentially. So, and, and the conversation I have uh, with my patients so that they understand this is when they, when they get on this drug, it's a lot like someone managing their type two diabetes. If somebody, and this is my example, if somebody um, uh, eats McDonald's every day for 20 years, right? Sometimes twice, okay? And they go to the, they're, you know, they're a hundred pounds overweight. Um, they go to their doctor and they're like, man, I just don't feel right. You know, my mood is terrible. I just feel exhausted all the time. And so the doctor runs some tests and it turns out that the person's blood sugar is 400. Doctor says, look, bottom line, you've developed type two diabetes. You broke your pancreas. Okay, so the doctor says, this is what we're going to do. Uh, we're going to get you on metformin. We're going to get you on insulin. Uh, I want you to stop eating McDonald's and I want you to do a little bit of exercise. We'll start walking around the, the, the block a few times. Then we'll, you know, up the exercise, et cetera. We can, we, can, we can take care of this. Okay, so the patient comes back in a couple of months later for a follow-up. Uh, blood sugar is down to 200. Um, they lost like 10 pounds. Um, they're doing great. Doctor's like, fantastic. We'll continue the metformin and, uh, and the insulin. Continue to, uh, you know, avoid McDonald's and, uh, and uh, you know, uh, increase your exercise. Okay, fantastic. Two, two months later, they come in. Blood sugar is 350 again. They smell like the McDonald's they had on the way there. Uh, clearly, what they've done is relapsed right? Um, and the doctor says, okay, um, so this is what we're going to do. We're just going to start back at the basics here. We're going to keep you on the metformin. We're going to keep you on the insulin. We're going to, uh, you're going to stop eating McDonald's and you're going to start exercising again. What, what happened with the person with type 2 diabetes is they literally through a series of long-term lifestyle choices, basically broke their pancreas, okay? Their pancreas cannot to no longer keep up with the blood sugar. There's fat in the blood and they just can't, the pancreas is just broken. So you need the metformin, you need the insulin, right? You can manage it, you can get that down to 200, right? But you're still, you, you know, you stop eating McDonald's, you start exercising, that's fantastic. But the bottom line is actually damage a part of your body that's gonna take some medication to treat that. For some reason, and I, I, I don't advocate for, for stigma on that, but we don't put any stigma on that, okay? We're just like, oh, person got type two diabetes and it's being managed, right? So what happens with, let's say, opioid uh, addiction, what happens is every time that a person takes opioids, right? 
um, the potential is there for the next time that the cell reproduces for that cell to reproduce even more of the, uh, the receptors for the opioid receptors. And um, so every, you know, over time, you know, you get a lot more of those receptors, you build a tolerance to the drug, you become physically dependent on the drug, you need more and more uh, to get the same, to, to get the same effect. Um, what's happened by the time that they come to us and they say, you know, I've been doing this for 15 years, um, you know, I've been injecting uh, fentanyl, you know, five, six times a day. Um, what happens is that they, when they don't have that, their cells are screaming, right, uh, for that drug. And uh, in those receptors, what's fascinating about those receptors is that if there's no other opioid present, those set of seven different types of receptors are actually busy regulating your hormones and your neurotransmitters. And that's why people feel so terrible when they go without it. When they go into withdrawal and their hormones and their, their neurotransmitters get out of balance, it's just horrible. And we can see that in all the effects of the, uh, you know, we just tick off the effects one by one on the clinical opioid withdrawal scale. And it's not pretty. So when someone comes to us and they say, well, is, is this going to fix me? Well, no. What, what buprenorphine is going to do actually is it's a partial opioid instead of a, a full opioid with that extra part that inspires the, the, the body to produce more and more and more and more and more receptors. It's a partial opioid. So it goes in there and it, it just manages the withdrawal. It just occupies all those receptors and the person, you know, fixes it and forgets about it for a 24 hour period. Uh, and then of course there's no, you know, most of the drugs we use have naloxone in them. So the naloxone slowly goes in there and fills all the others, which then uh, it acts as a blocker. And then of course it, uh, um, uh, it, it helps to prevent overdoses if somebody does relapse. So a really fantastic, uh, fantastic drug. What's fascinating to me is when someone will go on a buprenorphine for a few months and then they just decide that they don't need the program anymore and they just quit, right? And then they inevitably they call us up and they're like, you didn't tell me there was gonna be withdrawal from this stuff. Okay, let's start at the beginning here, right? You came to us with a raging opioid addiction, right? We told you we were gonna manage that. When you stopped taking the drug that we were using to manage it, right? You, you went right back to the level of, of physical dependency and withdrawal that you were going to go through before you, before you came to us. It's the same thing with the, the person who um, has the damaged pancreas because they develop type 2 diabetes from eating McDonald's every day. You know, if they don't take their metformin and their insulin, they're still going to have a 400 blood sugar pretty much like as a given because they simply can't process that. The key component is this. It's the behavioral health care. It's the fact that you see a counselor sometimes weekly, bi-weekly, or monthly, so that you always have someone to talk to, you always have someone to help you work through the anxiety, the trauma, the, the depression, you always have somebody to contact so that you can work with that person to address the mental health issues, which were really driving the need to use something powerful as an opioid uh, to suppress those, those tendencies in your emotional health. And so um, that for us is the key. Like I, I tell people that's like 75% of it. Like the drug is like maybe 25% of it, works really great, it's fantastic. But the, the rubber meets the road when you start getting into the mental health aspect of it and you really start connecting with your counselor and you really show up and you really show up to do the work. 
that makes all the difference. Right, and they can't, if they were not to take that, that medication and they were just to go into counseling because of the way that they feel, it would be hard for them to focus on the counseling part of it until they feel better. Right. And that's the challenge. That's the particular challenge of, and I'm not bashing abstinence only programs. Okay. I've known many people that they've helped. They don't work very well for opioid uh, use disorders. They have about a 6% success rate on that. Okay. Alcohol, uh, gambling, sex, things like that. Those are, you know, abstinence programs work very, very well in getting to the core of those issues and really helping people heal. With opioids, if you go through a seven-day detox program and you do a 21-day uh, stay in a res in an abstinence-only residential program, you um, are still in subacute withdrawal by the time you get out of it. So what's the first thing you do? You call up your guy and you get a fix. And then you enter into the really, really, really dangerous zone, which is the three biggest risk factors for fatal overdose upon relapse. Yeah.